Hi, welcome to the Power for Good podcast. I'm your host, Christina Ray Almeida, entrepreneur, environmental advocate, somatic healer, life coach, and really just a grateful part of this beautiful planet. I'm also a former alcoholic and addict, and I'm here to ask some really hard questions while diving deep and discovering how influential people are using their power for good or not. What happens when someone goes through an awakening? Can people really change? How and why? Let's explore. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited because today I have a beautiful friend of mine, a beautiful coach and inspiration, and just somebody that I love. (laughs) (laughs) It lives here in Miami with me tonight, Milgram. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I know. I'm so excited that you're here with me this beautiful Monday morning. So tonight is an intimacy and empowerment coach that helps women express themselves unapologetically in their relationships. And she definitely does just that. She has helped me already so much since we've met each other. Um, I've been on retreats with tonight. I have... uh, Honestly, we haven't known each other that long, but I feel like I've known you a lifetime. <laughs> Agreed. It, it doesn't compute in my head that we know each other for so little. <laughs> I know. I love it. But let's jump in. And um, yeah, Chris, how, how are you feeling today, Stein? I'm feeling good. I I had a pretty introverted weekend. Like I, I saw friends and family, but but I definitely heard the call for my body to rest and I gave myself that. Yeah. So I'm feeling refreshed. Yeah. I'm feeling, oh, feeling that vibe as well. Feeling refreshed. I'm ready, ready for this talk. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start with a question that I am starting to ask all the guests, which is really the premise of this whole show. And that is how are you using your power for good? I think like personally, what's really important when it comes to using my power for good is using my voice. If you ever ask me like what impact do I want to live in the world, leave it in the world, it's to like help transform others through my stories. So I love kind of like taking things that have happened in my life or things that I've learned from teachers and telling it in a way that really lands for others and really makes people feel seen and like they can relate. I like making the taboo public. I love talking about things people are normally ashamed to talk about or wouldn't really know how to talk about and putting them out there um, to inspire others to do the same. And then helping women through groups and coaching to feel just that it's okay for them to be exactly the way that they are. Like there's nothing that they have to change. And they can show that to the world. So just using my journey of of experiencing that, that would be my power of being able to take the lessons that I learned and share them with others and have them do the same, have them feel total approval of themselves. Mm. That's beautiful. 
And I can definitely resonate mm. using your voice and your experiences to help other people. And it's interesting that you're saying using your voice too. I'm just, you know, something we talked about just before the show started is how you used your voice this weekend. Yeah. Growing up, singing was a really big thing for me. I think if, if you'd asked me when I was like seven, what did I want to do is I, I probably wanted to be a famous singer. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I wanted to be like every singer that I loved and I loved singing. I love performing. I love making art. So that's, that's, you know, definitely what I wanted to do. And something that I want to include in my life more now, I'm just not a hundred percent sure how, but that's what inspired me to just get on Instagram live and sing to anyone who came on to listen. Yeah. But it, it's so beautiful because yeah, sharing your experiences and things you've been through, but also embodying that and being courageous and being brave and just living your truth. So you going on Instagram live and just singing live, um, uh, to me, it was really inspirational and it made me want to do it. And so many of the things I think you do in your work is just that is just, you know, walking around, clearly loving your body, <laughs> singing, being you, um, just embodying your truth. You know, I, something that I, that I, when I hear you say that, something that comes up for me is just how, how that's so common when we're little, when we're like five, six, seven, we're just asking for all the attention for our talents, for our voice, for even our rage and our sadness. And then we get older and, and there's no approval for that kind of attention. Like people just call you an attention whore. And as like in society, we kind of have what we consider like right things to get attention for wrong things to get attention for. Like I recently got someone got, got someone to like, I had a comment on Facebook. Someone said something like, you have three typos in what you wrote. And that says to me that I can't trust you. And you're just someone that's like using your body to get people to like you. And see, that's so interesting. Cause it's like, we speak so much about empowering women's bodies, but then so many, when they show their bodies, they get backlash and they get criticism. So why not see someone showing her body as she loves her body? She is flaunting her body in the way of showing off God's creation, not looking for people's approval because she doesn't have it for herself. You know, it's such a different mindset that I think we need to start seeing that like we want attention because we, we love ourselves and we love sharing and not necessarily because we need approval to be happy. Yeah. And when you're, when you're flaunting, you know, when you're expressing in that way, it's not necessarily for anyone else. Sometimes, sometimes you just feel like embodying that goddess vibe. And sometimes that looks like literally nakedness. Sometimes that looks like lingerie. Sometimes it looks like a big, beautiful white dress, but you never know really how that's going to show up. And so it's really just expressing how you're feeling on the inside, on the outside, you know? And so that can show up in so many different ways and it's not necessarily for anyone else at all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You couldn't have said it better. So how has, um, lying and manipulation played a role in your life and how did you overcome like the shame and guilt that came with it? I know we have talked about our similarities, how our power sort of shifted 
our mm-hmm. influence. I used to be a terrible liar, manipulator, manipulating everyone around me. And that sort of shifted for me at a certain point in my life when I started to realize that, hey, I do have an influence and I do have this power, but I can use it for maybe something better in my yeah. life. So how did that sort of play a role in your life? Yeah, that's such a good transition because I think it's very related to the attention seeking. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because like I always knew that I could get attention and and I knew that I could have like power over people. You know, I knew that I was always like very magnetic. When I show up on social media, it's very present for me. Like I know that I'm going to catch people's eyes and so that's when in in this case it's like okay, how can I use that for good, right? Like I know I'm magnetic. I know I have the power to get people to listen. So let me, let me share something that will really make an impact. Let me, you know, embody something that I think is really freeing, like dancing around and and showing your skin or, or singing. (laughs) But growing up, there's two things. Number one, wanting to please my parents and be the good girl that I thought they wanted me to be. And that meant behaving, getting good grades. So those two things were things that I lied about. Like I lied about where I was or I lied about what grade I got. I lied about things that I lost. Like I would lose my phones and then I, you know, I'd say that it got stolen or, or like I would drop it on the floor and then say I had no idea what happened to it. And then, and then in high school, I, I, I was really depressed and one of the things that made me the saddest was that I, that men wouldn't pay attention to me the way they did to other women. And so that's when I learned who I had to be in order to get their attention. And mm-hmm. I tapped into who I used to be when I was five, when I used to get all the attention in my family singing and dancing around. And I was like, okay, like all I have to do is smile most of the time and not complain. And look at them like I admire them and be a little bit elusive and, and like tease, you know, I kind of learned like, okay, here are all the ways that I could capture a man's attention and knew how to use it to my favor. And, and I, and I really did a great job. I really did how to get a man. I didn't know how to keep one, but I definitely. Knew how to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were learning to play the game. Yeah, exactly. And so at the time, I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of the shame and guilt about it. Um, I just thought, hey, I'm just doing what I got to do, you know, to be popular and cool and likable. But then when I started my healing journey, I started working with a therapist and I would have these dreams when I, that I would get caught and I would try to come up with a, like a lie to explain, right, that I'm innocent. And when I would share that to my therapist, she, she was the one that brought to light that there was this like deep guilt about lying. And she was like, did you ever want to hurt anyone? Like, was it ever malicious? And I said, no, I was just protecting myself. And that's when I really got to have a lot of self-compassion and forgiveness. Like, okay, I lied a lot, but it wasn't because I wanted to hurt anybody. Um, and that's what allowed me to have compassion for other people too. Cause I was just, I used to also be really scared of other people lying and trying to manipulate me. That started fading away the moment that I started realizing, okay, 
we don't necessarily, most of the time we're not lying to manipulate other people. We're lying because that's something we do for ourselves. Cause like we can't face our own truth. We don't think we'll be loved if, if we do live and speak the truth. Lying to protect ourselves in a way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because, because I couldn't bear, like, it's like we're, we're, we all have these identities we're attached to. And at the time I was attached to being liked by my parents, you know, like being a good girl. And I'm like, what will happen if they find out that I'm actually irresponsible or wild or whatever? Yeah. And then with guys, it was like, well, I've built myself up to be this like sexy, cute, you know, go with the flow girl. Like what happens if that identity goes away? Like no one's going to like me. I'm not going to be what they want. They Mm -hmm. couldn't possibly really want the real me. Yeah. I can totally relate. I understand. And I think a lot of that carries on into our adult life and we continue buying and even manipulating in a way. For me, I even see it showing up still sometimes but subconsciously manipulating. And -hmm. I realized that it's not malicious, you know, it's fearful. It's Uh, a form of protection. Even like in, in my marriage with my husband, I I find myself a little bit manipulating just, Oh, maybe I'll do this or that so that he won't be so you know upset or so that we can have peace or, you know, just different things or with my mom or with my, my family, just say it this way or that way so that we can, avoid conflict. And then it at, at its core and something I've realized even, you know, with, with you and the inner child work that we do is that it's, it's just little Christina showing up as well. You know, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's those teenagers showing up within us as well that are just kind of going back to that self, uh, that younger self that are just trying to sort of survive, mm-hmm. protect and, um, and figure out how to really keep the peace, at least in my case. Yeah, definitely the case for me too. And I think something, I think like, I don't know if all of us, but I'd say a lot of us have this inner manipulator. Some of us have it stronger than others. Like maybe you and I, you know, have that, that strong sense of like manipulation or getting what we want or knowing what to say. And that in itself can get a lot of approval. Like that in itself is a part that you can look at and say, okay, I have this in me. And the more that I approve of it, the more that I celebrate it, the more that I, you know, just include it, the easier it becomes to have approval and love for myself. The less I feel like I need to use it to protect me, but more I can use it for good. Like you said. Yeah. And you brought up something else that I thought was interesting as well, that is really using our, our power as women, even sex, you know, as power over others, power over men, attention. That's something that I definitely more so, I think in my twenties really did was, I mean, actually in high school as well, (laughs) the attention that I was getting from men, I was sort of learning how to what, what I thought was control, control the situation. And I guess, again, coming back to the little child in me, it's like f- acting like this big 
powerful, sexy goddess woman, when in reality, there's this little scared child inside who just wants attention, who just wants love, mm-hmm. really, at the end of the day. And what it's coming out as and what it looks like is, is sex is like, I'm going to control you with sex. I'm going to make myself feel like I am the center of every room that I walk into. And that to me feels like love. Mm. That's a form of love. But in reality, it's, it's not. And right. so how do we differentiate between really coming into that powerful, sexy goddess to the other alternative, which is really just going to the extreme of trying to really manipulate and control with that female dominant power that isn't necessarily so healthy? How do we differentiate between those yeah. two? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good question. I think like, I think the intention, you said it very clearly, it's the intention of like, I'm, you know, I'm celebrating my feminine radiance and delighting you with it versus like, I'm using this to control you, you know, like control is something that comes from fear. And when we talk about, you know, fear versus love, that's a, that's a really clear distinction of like, Am I doing this out of love or am I doing this out of fear? So am I doing this to connect or am I doing this to control? So that's something that could be very personal for anyone who's listening of really getting, getting down to it of like, how is this an expression of love for me? How am I, why am I doing this to connect with someone else? As opposed to, am I doing this in order to get something out of this, in order to manipulate, in order to keep myself safe and not be vulnerable. I love that. That's where you can start. Yeah. I think that applies to everything we've been talking about, the manipulation, the lying, the sex, all of it is asking that question where, and, and sitting with yourself and really taking a deep breath and connecting and even putting your hands over your heart and asking that question. Mm-hmm. Where is this coming from? Exactly. Yeah. Fear, love, like, where do you feel this in your body? Mm-hmm. This is a good segue to my next question. How can learning to connect and love our inner child help us channel our power and connect to our purpose? Mm. It's such a deep question. Um, I will start with just the fact that when we were little, we were uninhibited, you know, and all we wanted to do was go out and love and express ourselves and be ourselves. And we were just purely connected to unapologetic self-expression and, and like pure love. That I believe is our power. Like our, 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 our self-expression, our love, our desire to connect, that truly believe is our power before all the fear came in the way, all the protection. I mean, even, even in the conversation we had before about, you know, when you use your seduction or your sexiness to control someone else, you're seeing them as the enemy. You're seeing them as I need to protect myself from this person. And as kids, we didn't have that. We didn't really differentiate between someone who's safe and someone who's not. We just, you know, we, we, we'd play with anybody (laughs) and feel any emotion. Connecting to inner child is really important because you go back to that, to that, you know, clean, pure love. And connecting and expressing your emotions, which is at the root of everything. Like when we block our emotions is when we block our connection to ourselves and to our desires, to our turn on, 
So it's hard to, to connect to your purpose if you have no idea who you are and what you want. So like connecting to the inner child is one of the most important things to channel the power and, and connect to your purpose. I think you said exactly right. Like, I think there's no better, there's no other time in life that, that we are more connected to who we actually are, our most genuine selves than when we're children. Yeah. And so if you can get to a space or you can really connect to that part of yourself, because it's always a part of you, the inner child, you know, like she's always there. She's always living there. Yeah. So many different parts of ourselves where we can let go of what our parents taught us, let go of what society taught us, let go of what school taught us, culture, all the people you've met in your life mm-hmm. and connect to just you. Who is that? Well, that actually is the person you were when you were born. You know, yeah. <laughs> actually is, you came into the world as this pure being, as you said. Yeah. And so what is more authentic than you as a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really your most primitive primal self, as I like to yeah, say. I genuinely believe that we can't be happy without like fulfilling those dreams that we wanted when we were little in some way. Maybe like if you know, like if you're if you like singing when you were little, maybe it doesn't mean becoming a professional singer. I think that's something that we've like in our generation kind of done, like turning all of our passions into careers, and that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, a couple of years ago, I'd read this, um, this article by Mark Manson. I think that's his name. He wrote the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And he wrote this article about like how to find your purpose. And one of the things was if you're, if you like, if your inner child basically met you now, what would they be really pissed off at that you're not doing? Like, what would they be really disappointed about? And for me, it was that I'm not creating art, that I'm not expressing myself artistically. So that led me to take singing lessons again, painting, drawing, dancing. And that connected me to so many things that then connected me to my passion for helping women. But I wouldn't have gotten there had I not connected to art again. I don't know what young Christina would think about Christina now. I think there was a TikTok trend going around like that. And it was like, yeah, little Christina, you know, what she would think of me now. She would be proud of me. <laughs> Certain Christinas would be proud of me for yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> pointed out that you're not doing. Right yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think she would love me to sing though. Like she loved to sing. Um, but as you said, I think it's so interesting to point out though, that it doesn't always need to be turned to career either, you know, yeah. making everything. That kills it. A business. Then yeah. And then it burns you out. Yeah. So many people that move to LA or wherever to start the singing career and then they end up not doing it and they find mm-hmm. out what the music industry is really like. And then they're like, I never want to sing again. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's, yeah, that's a really good point. So talk to me about living unapologetically and particularly expressing ourselves unapologetically in relationships. Yeah. So like we said, you know, when you're little, you have your parents and society telling you what's right and what's wrong. And so you start being who you think people want you to be because you don't want mom and dad to be upset. If they're upset, then who's going to take care of you? So we start learning things like it's not okay to express your anger. It's not okay to express what you don't like. It's not okay to ask for what you want. It's not okay to 
show off, like, right. All these things that we learn aren't, aren't okay. That creates all these blockages in your intimacy and relationship. I recently heard of this definition of intimacy, which I love, which is into me, you see. Mm -hmm. So if you want intimacy, then you have to let the other person see you. And I, I love the word unapologetically because it just means expressing without regret, expressing without needing to say you're sorry. And I don't understand why we need to say sorry about anything we say, you know? Oh my God. I I'm on the same page about that. I like as women, if you see the difference between men and women, like even us women, like we bump into each other, we say you're sorry. Mm-hmm. If you see a, a man converse, like literally the amount of times a woman will say sorry versus a man statistically is crazy. Obscene. Sorry to interrupt. Go on. No, no, no. I love that. I, I totally <laughs> agree. And the thing is that we, we're just not taught to express, express our feelings. We, we learned how to defend ourselves. So rather than me saying, Hey, what you did really upset me, people are used to saying you're really inconsiderate. Like, I think it's, like, how could you do that? And so the moment that you express it the second way, you're pointing a finger and you're attacking someone and you're making them wrong. And there's no way that we can create intimacy and connection from that place. That's what leads to resentment and then separate, like distance and then no sex. Cause why would you want to, why would you feel turned on about someone who keeps criticizing you? You know? But then there's just like such lack of awareness around that. Cause then person number one, who's upset is like, but what kind of a person would do that? Like, I'm right. You know, he's really being inconsiderate or she's really being inconsiderate. But the real important thing that we actually want to express is just our feelings. Like, Hey, that really hurt. And we're not used to doing that because it's too, it, it feels too vulnerable. It's like, why would I reveal my, my hurt? That's so weak. So we really got to change that association. We have that vulnerability is weak because actually, as long as we keep avoiding being vulnerable, we keep giving everybody else our power because it's like, I'm scared of you. So I'm not going to be vulnerable because you might hurt me. Then I'm seeing you as powerful. I'm, I'm giving you more power than I do. And that's not very intuitive. Like it takes hearing the, hearing it the way that I'm saying for people to be like, Oh yeah, I guess it is pretty bold and strong to be vulnerable and face that fear. Expressing ourselves unapologetically in, in our relationships means just that. It's it's like it, it, having the inside match the outside, like you said. Like if I'm thinking something, that's exactly what you're going to hear. Um, and and let's take away the idea that that kills chemistry or that kills intimacy because in it, it, like intimacy means into me, you see. And living unapologetically is the same. It's it's like not living according to your obligations, but instead living according to your desires. No, I, I love it. I think it's raw, it's real, and it's true. But I would love you to, for you to speak to desires. Yeah, the desires are so interesting because there's no one, like anyone that speaks about their desires lights up when they do that, you know? If you, if you really speak from a yes. place that's like letting yourself dream, kind of like a little kid would, you know, how much we used to dream and, and imagine people light up and that's the power of your desires. And you don't necessarily have to fulfill your desires, but it's important to be in touch with them because 
they're our inspiration, they're our turn on, they're our power. And so I love relating to desires like like a lighthouse. Like it's kind of like what guides your way. And if you can be open to the path, then magic will, you know, you'll you'll find magic on the way. So I've had, you know, situations where I had a desire to go somewhere and then it didn't turn out the way that I wanted, but I found something else. So, so I just know, I think like desires are divine. I think if you trust your desires, they'll lead you, they'll lead you to gold. It might not turn out exactly the way that you want them, but you can trust that it's for your highest good. So it takes a lot of surrender to really see like all my desires are sacred and it's okay and safe to follow them. What do you recommend for somebody that may not really know what are their desires? They can't connect to that. Yeah. Good question. I would say that like, like many things, desires are like a faucet that maybe has been clogged for a really long time. And so at first just got to open it a little bit for some drops to come out. So maybe all that, you know, is what do you desire to have breakfast? What, What do you desire to have for breakfast? What do you desire to wear today? What do you desire to drive to, to sit for a coffee shop? I don't know. And the, the more that you just follow those desires without second guessing them, without playing them down, the easier it'll be to access them. Like the faucet will keep opening as you allow yourself to connect to those little desires. I love that analogy. (laughs) I love it. And I think something also important for just connecting to ourselves in general is just acceptance. Something that we've discussed before as well is that it's a full acceptance of the self of anything that comes up. Yeah the good and the bad, the shadow self, really. Yeah. And so much that we suppress down that can get suppressed with our desires. So if we are constantly pushing down our anger, pushing down shame, pushing down sadness, judgment, anything, all of the negative, in quotations, emotions, parts of the shadow self, things that we don't want to feel, we might also be suppressing our desires at the same time because we're, neglecting a whole part of ourselves. Definitely. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes that I learned from my teachers is that behind every complaint, there's a desire. Mm. And that's so important when it comes to expressing ourselves unapologetically in relationships. There are a little kind of shifts to do when you express yourself. Like, sure. It's not, it feels good sometimes to just let yourself complain, but maybe not all the time. Like maybe Maybe that happens every once in a while, but then you take the time to really think, okay, here are all my complaints that I have about this person. What do I desire? You know, I had, I just heard to the client who her friend says mean comments to her and like puts her down, you know? And so we worked on two things. Number one, having her express how it feels to hear those things. And then number two, let her in on what her desires are. Like I would really desire that when I share something with you, for you to lift me up. And if you have something constructive to say, ask me if I'm available first. And if you have something mean to say, keep it to yourself. Otherwise, I don't want to be friends with you. So even desires and relationships are really important. And then also, like I think there's so many desires that people keep to themselves because there's this belief of my, I'm not important, you know, that we all carry. So we don't share our sexual desires. We don't share our desires for play or adventure or connection. But 
there's such beautiful desires. Like we, I don't think we, we realize how much it turns other people on to hear your desires. There's, you know, I've had clients that, that don't know how to tell their partners that what they're doing in sex doesn't really feel good. But it's such a turn on to hear like, Hey, you know, I would really desire for you to spend more time touching me this way. Cause I love when you do that. And like that, that feels good to hear. Yeah. But just the way you said it as well. I think that the, the, the language is so important. The way that you're delivering the desire, you know, like not a complaint, like you just said also, because it can feel also like a turnoff for the other person. It can also feel like a, um, it can maybe cause somebody to go into feeling offended, um, to go into defense mode. If you were just like, that sucks. (laughs) You know, I don't like that. Uh, instead of coming from the place of desire where you're speaking just as you did, which is so beautiful. Yeah. It feels like an art, the art of desire. As I heard, (laughs) it really is an art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the faucet. Like the, the more you try, the easier it gets for sure. So I have one more question for you, Mm -hmm. which I ask all guests to come on the show. Have you experienced an awakening in your life and when? You know, I ask myself this question often. It's so interesting. I feel like I, I've had a very little kind of like spontaneous awakenings, you know? I feel like my, my awakening has been very like drawn out. And then I'm like, okay. Like I look back at those three months and I'm like, shit, a ton has happened. I would say that one of them was I a couple years ago, I think it was two years ago, I posted a photo of myself not smiling with my legs split apart like a man, like in a, in a leotard. I think that's what they're, they're called, right? Like a one piece. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like looking not so happy with my legs open. And I wrote a paragraph basically saying like, if I was a man, this wouldn't trigger you, but I bet it does because I'm a woman. Love it. And yeah. And like, I don't feel like smiling and, and this is, and this feels really empowering, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it stirred up my family. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) every member of my family was like, why the fuck did you do that? Their friends reached out to them and were like, is tonight okay? Yeah. I was staying with my mom at the time and it, it like catapulted me to, to like leave and, and stay with my friend Taylor, who, you know, meanwhile, I was getting so many messages from guys being like, this photo is badass, from women being like, this is so inspiring. And I was able to receive my my family's concerns with so much love, where I was just like, I really hear where you're coming from. Thank you so much for caring. And this is my journey. I know this is going to be expansive for me. Like, I get that you're scared that I'm not going to find a husband or clients, but this is actually what it will help me find everything that I want in my life. And that was a real big undaughtering moment for me, as you know, just that moment of like really not giving a fuck and trusting my unapologetic self-expression. Wow. So beautiful. Thank you. Definitely a beautiful awakening and so inspiring as well. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> created ripples in my life, which is why I think it was like an awakening because it was very much not for pleasing others. It was for myself. 
And I got to experience that, you know, when you stop people pleasing, people aren't pleased and it's okay. Give it a, give it a little bit. People are not pleased when you I stop mean, people pleasing. But the dust will settle. Like, don't worry. Give it, like, take care of yourself and things will go back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy when you just trust your intuition and you follow your heart and things turn out just as they should for you, you know, not for everyone else's expectations, not for the boxes that people have created for you, but for you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for asking. So where can, can we find you? Where can, can people follow you, find you website, Instagram, slide into your DMS. Yes. Please slide into my DMS. I'm thirsty. I want them. <laughs> um, you can just find me at 10 Milgram. You can also listen to my podcast, Commitment Phobe. Those are the main two. And I, I love listening to people's stories. So if you have something going on in your life, please share. Um, I'd love to be uh, an open ear. Yeah. And Tanai's an amazing coach. You can reach out to her on Instagram and um, listen to her podcast. You have your website. Your website is Tanai Milgram. Com. Yeah, and they are have information about my upcoming programs and retreats, so you can check them out there. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us, spending this beautiful morning with me. It's a beautiful conversation. And yeah. thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Christina Ray, and you've been listening to the Power for Good podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next week for another powerful conversation. Share a story of how you are using your power for good by sending me a DM on my Instagram, at Christina Ray Almeida. I'll be sharing your stories at the end of every episode weekly. If you're interested in learning more on how we can work together, head to my website, IamChristinaRay.com, and let's connect. Sending you so much love and remember, you are powerful.